1: Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, this is an important story, certainly for everyone in earshot of this broadcast and um, for people potentially in earshot of this broadcast. It's a privilege to bring on an old friend from my company here at Salem, Nick Anderson. He's, among other things, the Director of Government Affairs here. Nick, welcome, uh, welcome back to the show, or welcome to the Airwaves of Phoenix. How are you, sir?
2: Uh, I am good. How are you, Seth? Great to, great to be on with you.
1: Thank you. I say welcome back because we saw you here at one of our great events we did a few months back, and uh, it's nice to have you at least by voice. This is, a, this is just a tremendous story, and it's a little bit under the radar, but you've been doing a great job by putting it back on top. A few months ago, let me just quote from The Hill. Your next car might be missing a button, the one to switch between AM and FM radio. Car manufacturers are increasingly opting to eliminate AM radio in their new vehicles. Nick, what the heck is going on?
2: (laughs) Well, Seth, uh, a lot has been going on. Um, And, uh, you know, without getting too far into the weeds, uh, AM radio is under attack. And uh, I say that very bluntly and transparently, but it's true. Uh, We have uh, about eight automakers that have decided that AM radio uh, is no longer needed on their dashboard, mostly in electric and EVs.
0: Um,
2: But uh, just a few months ago, uh, Ford, a domestic um, manufacturer, decided uh, and and really shook the industry to the core and consumers by announcing that they were not only going to not put the AM radio in some of their EVs, they weren't going to put it in their combustible engine other uh, Ford Mustang combustible engine for 2024 20, and then doubled down two weeks later and said, we're not even going to put it in any of our vehicles. Now I will say since, uh, you know, that announcement uh, a few weeks later, they did uh reverse course. They are going to put the AM band receiver back in their 2024 vehicles, but anything beyond 2024 is still up in the air via Ford. So uh, AM radio is under attack, and uh, and we're, as an industry, and, um, you know, conservative radio especially, needs to make sure AM radio doesn't go bye-bye.
1: You know, we uh, we may be the biggest at Salem, uh, but I've got to ask, I assume the entire industry and in talk radio, the entire AM radio industry, must be on the case or unified on this, yes?
2: Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, the National Association of Broadcasters, the NAB, they represent... Uh, thousands of radio and TV stations—they uh, are kind of leading the uh, leading the, the, the cause. Uh, but we have the National Religious Broadcasters, uh, the National Association of Black Owned Broadcasters, and the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, along with all 50 state broadcaster associations. Great. Um, so yeah, we, we there, it, our industry is gigantically united on this.
1: And, you know, that helps. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Nick Anderson, he is the director of government affairs with uh, Salem um, Radio, and uh, that's the company that uh, broadcasts this show, among many, many others, including Dennis Prager's and others you love on this station. When we originally read about this story, Nick, um, it seemed like the excuse to eliminate AM was related to the fact that it interfered with electric vehicles, or EVs, as, as the phrase goes. But you're telling me that maybe that wasn't exactly the case, or perhaps that was just a pretext because it was a decision that was made about other kinds of vehicles as well.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt, Seth. And, and, you know, again, without going into the weeds too far, I'll just give you a quick timeline. You know, Tesla made the decision uh, years ago we're not going to put AM radio into the receivers, uh, or in, into the vehicles. And a lot of people went, well, there's not that many Teslas out there. Where I live in Minneapolis-St. Paul, there's not a ton of Teslas. So that kind of makes sense. And then other manufacturers started not putting in the AM uh, receiver into EVs. And the reason was is that it would affect the electrical components. Mm-hmm. Here's the sad thing, uh, Seth, uh, it, 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 and I call it a farce in mm-hmm. a way, uh, mm-hmm. because it costs between 50 and a hundred dollars per vehicle for shielding and you're covered.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
2: yes. AM radio, when you drive underneath an electric wire or in the middle of a thunderstorm, you'll get some static. I get it. Yeah. And it, it happens now, but, uh, with shielding, you can protect not only the components of the electric vehicle, but also components of, uh, of the AM receiver. So, um, and to double down on that and why I'm so passionate about it, when Ford reversed course on the issue, they immediately said those who don't have AM radio will provide an update over the Internet or, you know, as you download, we will provide an update for you to get AM radio. So AM radio is always in the vehicle. Yeah. It just has never been updated.
1: Interesting. Now, this is beyond just talk. There are public safety implications to these kinds of decisions too, right?
2: Absolutely, and that's the that is the main component behind the legislation that we have um, we're, we're defending and, and putting forward, and that is the public safety element. Okay. AM radio is the uh, backbone to the emergency alert system. Mm-hmm. So, severe weather, uh, wildfires, hurricanes, earthquakes. Uh, Those are triggered Um, when those happen. AM radio really shines because it triggers announcements down a daisy chain like um, like device, I guess, or or daisy chain like notification to all other radio stations and even TV stations notifying the public uh, of of the news and, uh, and information. There's nothing like AM radio and the EAS out there to replace it. So it's very much vital to what we do uh, in protecting our communities. Uh, If we had a a national disaster, uh, within 10 minutes, using our 77 PEP stations, primary entry point stations, uh, we can reach 90% of the uh, population throughout the country with with vital information uh, and guidance. So, uh, yes, this is uh, very much a public safety issue, and, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll even give you a, a prime example. Just about four to six weeks ago, Guam had a super typhoon mm-hmm. that, hit their, uh, that hit their island. Uh, three FM stations went down, two TV stations went down, the electrical grid went down. What stayed on the air? And AM radio and its generator providing information and news.
1: There it is. You had mentioned that there are other interesting allies, uh, or at least a broad, uh, uh, diverse group of allies who are supporting uh, our efforts on this um, legislation to keep AM in cars. I guess there's this idea that AM radio is just simply conservative talk, but you were mentioning that's not true. It has a lot of urban and uh, other ethnic stations evolved, too, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, I will say if you look at, you know, AM typically is a less expensive to get into uh, a medium. So you're going to have a lot of in language, foreign language, in language type programming. Uh, here in the Twin Cities, we have a Hmong station, 24 7 Hmong station oh, wow. on the AM band. Yeah. But you're going to have Portuguese, you're going to have uh, Chinese, you're going to have uh, Korean. It, Really depends on where you are throughout the country, but you're going to have different types of, uh, of programs that are going to be on an AM band. You're going to have sports. Mm-hmm. You're going to have agriculture. One of our biggest allies, uh, the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, they're gigantic. They have thousands of members and thousands of, of member stations. Uh, these folks are, are serving rural, outstate communities, one station owner-operator on Main Street providing, you know, hog prices, uh, uh, seed corn prices. Uh, They're providing up-to-the-minute news and information with the ag community, a gigantic part of our our economic structure. Uh, You have, um, and Salem knows this well, uh, uh, Christian uh, stations. Uh, Hundreds of Christian stations across the country are on the AM band, so... It goes beyond public safety, and it goes beyond conservative talk. But on conservative talk, you know as well as I know, Seth, with, with your time with the company, you know, it, it, Rush Limbaugh, the granddaddy uh, uh, of, uh, of or, the, or the godfather of conservative radio, um, he ushered in a platform, AM radio, to, to, to voices like Sean Hannity, Dennis Prager, uh, Hugh Hewitt, Seth Liebson and hundreds of other local hosts that are in their communities, serving their communities, with uh, intelligent talk.
1: Well, yeah, I'd like to think that that, at the end of the day, is certainly what a lot of our local talk is about. It's about building and harnessing and actually, you know, creating and... And uh, coalescing a community. Nick, i got to take a quick commercial break. Can you stay with me? Because I want to talk a little bit about the legislation you're you're supporting here and what our audience can do to help save uh, AM radio in our vehicles. Do you have a little bit more time for us? Absolutely. Thanks very much. Nick Anderson is our guest. He is uh, at Salem here, the radio company we both work for, our Director of Government Affairs, and he and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth Leibson. Nick Anderson is our guest. He's the director of government affairs at uh, Salem Media, which is uh, the company that uh, brings you this radio, uh, uh, this radio show, as well as this radio station. And uh, we're talking about an effort that uh, several car manufacturers have undertaken to try and uh, remove AM radio uh, from the vehicles that they manufacture going forward. And, Nick, you were tell, telling us a little bit about some legislation that you have been efforting. Uh, tell, tell, yeah, tell, tell the audience a little bit about the legislation that you are and that the national broadcasters and others have been uh, uh, pushing with you, supporting you with.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Seth. Uh, so back in mid-May, we introduced the AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act, uh, both in the House, the U.S. House, and both in the U.S. Senate. Uh, On the same day, mid-May, bipartisan support. I'll start off with that. As of today, uh, we have 125 members of of the House on the bill, and we have 24 members of the Senate on Mm -hmm. the bill. Mm -hmm. And um, and like I said, it's bipartisan. Uh, In the Senate, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, led by Senator Edward Markey of Massachusetts, far left. <laughs> that, that's,
1: that's pretty bipartisan, yes. Yeah. And
2: and Ted Cruz. Yeah, yeah.
1: Have they ever and agreed they, on anything? Those two? Oh my gosh. Okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> it, it, they are the first to admit that they've never agreed okay. on it, and probably yeah. never will. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's been um, you know it it it, it's, it is it literally is bipartisan uh, in the Senate. It's literally 50-50 uh 20 you know it's, i think it's 12 republicans 12 democrats uh, in the house it's nearly 50 50 i think it's about 54 55 percent republican the remaining democrat but it is bipartisan support and here's what it, the, the, the bill does three things Seth, one it mandates an am receiver in every vehicle uh through the department of transportation uh, the department of transportation and NHTSA, which is the national Highway safety uh, council uh it it would require an AM radio to stay free uh, so automakers wouldn't be able to charge uh a premium or charge a subscription on it, mm-hmm. which is important mm-hmm. and then the third thing it would do is it, it gives the automakers a year from when they say when the government says to put it in there it would then force automakers to let people know, the consumer know, when they're buying the radio uh, or buying the vehicle if there's an AM radio in it. Okay. Uh, right now, it, in some cases, you could be buying a $40,000, $60,000 vehicle and have no idea there's no AM radio in it.
1: Right. You could get surprised when you get home or you could drive it out the next day. What would be the argument against this piece of legislation? Uh, Why would anyone oppose this?
2: Yeah, Because they uh, think well, they
1: think it's easier for the automakers not to have to... I mean, it seems like it would be harder for them not to put in AM at this point.
2: Well, a, a few folks oppose it because it's a mandate. Okay. Uh, we have a few folks that don't like the, the word mandate. Yeah. And, and frankly, we don't look at it as a mandate. We look at it as a safety feature. Yeah. We don't look at it as we're asking you to add uh, a widget. We're asking you to keep or or continue to have... AM radio standard. Mm-hmm. So we don't really look at it as a mandate. We look at it as keep radio where it's been for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, the automakers are going to uh, be against it only because the automakers are turning into a form of big tech, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, they want to have control of the dashboard. They want to have control of the, of, of the vehicle. They want to have control of what the consumer spends after you purchase the vehicle from them. They want to do subscriptions. And we're seeing more and more of this, and so they're against it. So I would say that there are a few folks against it, but I would say, by far, there's a lot of support, not only within the broadcast industry, but within the advertising industry, and 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 of course, our, our listeners, our loyal listeners, who are our consumers.
1: I gotta tell you, you know, when when I hear that, that when I first heard that the automakers were planning to do this, it felt a little bit like a cable company saying that they were no longer going to offer something like Fox News or Newsmax. It just felt like a specific point of view or direction of conversation was being targeted. It felt that way to me. Now, you made the case that there's a lot of other uh, formats in AM, but it did have that feel to me, Nick. I don't know if it has that feel to you, too.
2: You know, it, it it does and it doesn't. Uh, it, it would affect conservative radio. There's no doubt about it. But it would affect other other broad, uh, other uh, other demographics that 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 rely on AM radio. Uh, I, I would say that the thing where I get a little uh, frustrated by the legislature or by the, uh, the 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 push by the automakers is this. I don't want the automakers deciding for me what I can and can't do right. in my own vehicle. Right. And for me, that's they're taking away consumer choice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, AM continues to be, um, especially for conservative talk, continues to be really the cornerstone for the conservative marketplace. Mm-hmm. It's free. Mm-hmm. It's over the air free, and I don't have to pay for a cable subscription right. to watch. Fox News. I can listen to Seth for free, or I can listen to AM nine sixty, The Patriot for free. Yes, sir. Um, and so that part of it, I don't want to have the, I don't want to have the automakers decide for me what I can and can't listen to. That could be conservative talk. That could be Christian talk. That could be sports. That could be news talk. Uh, so. Uh, That's the way I really look at it.
1: So, Nick, this legislation, it's AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act of 2023. I would normally take this moment to say what can our listeners do, but I think it's so very obvious what they can do. They need to write their legislators to get behind this, right?
2: Yeah, and I would say we've made it very easy for them, Seth. Uh, They can do it one of two ways. If they are a big fan of texting, they can text the letters AM to 52886 that's a m that's 52886 uh and and we've made it easy with our industry partners at the nab mm-hmm. uh, literally uh, 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 a questionnaire is going to pop up you put your name your address in they'll let you know who your member of congress is okay oh, and you can send information if you don't want to use your uh cell phone and text You can go to this station's website, and we have a a, a button or a banner on the homepage saying depend on AM. Click on that, you get registered there.
1: Couldn't be easier. Okay, folks. You You really couldn't. No, you got the mission here. AM radio for every vehicle active. 2023, save AM radio. Nick Anderson, bless you, sir, for doing this and for all you do, and thanks for spending some time with us on this as well.
2: Well, Seth, I, uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate what you guys do down in Phoenix for us and our company, and, and, and more importantly for our listeners. And what you do is vitally important. And so thank you for all that you do, and thank the staff for me.
1: You betcha. Without getting into too much mutual corruption, I'll say we can't do it without your work too, Nick, and your friendship and your support. So thank you, and bless you, sir. Godspeed, and let's get this thing passed, huh?
2: Absolutely, Seth.
1: All right. Go get him, Nick. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to welcome back into the studio John Shattuck. He is the former congressman representing old uh, Congressional District 4 here in the Valley, served in Congress many years representing us and representing common sense and conservatism. Uh, which maybe I repeat myself when I say common sense and concern. John, i got to tell you. Make that argument. <laughs> you can make that I got <laughs> to make t- that argument. <laughs> We have a mutual friend who loved a book your daddy wrote called The Remnant uh, back in 1968, 69. And he kept telling me, you got to read this book. You've got to read this book. You've got to read this book. And you know how things get. Right. You get busy. and it's- yep. But I finally did it, and I finished it. And i got to tell you, um, no longer do I have to r- read this book. we got to make a movie out of it. It is. When's the last time you read it, John? It is so pertinent. It is so relevant. And I got to tell you, your dad was an elegant writer. I mean, he was an elegant writer.
3: He had a number of gifts. uh, And that's very kind of you to say. We got to make a Um, movie. I I started to reread it uh, about. Maybe two months ago, and then you and I got in a conversation, and I had only one kind of nice copy. So I, you need my copy my back. Copy yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah, that's I got You loaned it. it to him. Yeah, he finished it and gave it back right, to
1: you. Right. So I need I, to get I, it back I, to well, you. I
3: don't know. He, he's made some comments to me as well, so I I can scratch up another copy or two. And
1: I need you to scratch up a movie producer. That's, you, that's what I need you to do.
3: I but, like the idea, but
1: elegant. But it is elegant it is, language. Your dad had a real gift with
3: language. It sorry. is uh, well. It, it's hard for me to see that or to say it because I can't read what he writes unbiasedly, yeah, yeah. or without being biased, or or. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, is it I'm hard, hard read, on myself? Is it, and is it hard, hard, hard to on read? Him. Your,
1: curious. Is it hard to read your dad's work? Your dad was a prolific writer. Is it hard? Is it emotional?
3: No. No, it's not. It's fun to look for the nuggets. It's fun to read some of his stuff more than once. Yeah, um, my son Stephen recently uh, read how, or read how to win an election a long time ago because I told him to, and then recently he read it again and he said, "Wow, Dad, there's so much that I missed."
1: Yeah. Well, your dad was a consummate speechwriter as well. I mean, he was a columnist, speechwriter, book author, and. There are some elegant passages in this. Again, folks, the book is called *The Remnant* by Stephen Shattig, and um, you can see the speechwriter in some of it. It's kind of interesting. He writes in—I would say half the book, maybe maybe thirty to thirty-five percent of the book to half of the book, depending on the chapter—reads like a speechwriter is 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 um, writing it. But there's speechwriters and there's speechwriters. I mean, you can listen to a Biden speech or an Obama speech, and it's kind of cruddy. Right. But you know, we know great speechwriters, elegant speechwriters, like uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, take your pick, uh, take take Peggy Noonan. I was say or, Peggy Noonan yeah. is
3: one that comes to people's yeah, mind. Peggy yeah, Peggy
1: Noonan or or Peter Robinson or someone like that. And that's the kind of speechwriter your daddy was. And who wouldn't want to read a book like that? I mean, who wouldn't? Anyway, I just have to tell you, you got to get us scratch up not another copy. Scratch up a movie
3: producer. Go find a movie producer. All right.
1: All right. You're on the task. Uh, I'm in. I'm on board. All right. You conducted a lot of investigations when you were in Congress.
3: Conducted and/or and was a part of or right. participated in.
1: Yeah, and they made news, and they moved things, and. One of the things I've been worried about, and I was watching some of the testimony today with the IRS whistleblowers who are investigating Hunter Biden, and it rings as I watch this thing like I have seen this about 10 times before just this year, or hearings like this just this year, and the New York Times isn't printing on it, the Washington Post isn't printing on it, and I'm just asking, you know, yeah, we got to do it, but... Have the effects of these things been so saturated by our team that it's falling on deaf ears, or has the media decided to ignore them because they're too explosive for them? Is our patience running out? Talk to me about the effects of hearings these days. In your, I think sense. it's
3: a couple of different things. Number one, congressional hearings are regrettably, hopelessly boring all too often, okay. and it was sometimes frustrating to me to go to those hearings and waste my time. Mm-hmm. Because everything was uh, scripted in advance, and no surprises ever occurred, although i I sprung some surprises a few times I remember
1: particularly I, yeah I, I
3: had some fun uh, actually during the the hearing on Waco. Yeah. I had some fun yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think a couple of others in any event um uh, but I, th- I think the point you make is well taken right now, these hearings are being uh, ignored.
1: Let, let me do this. Let me take this short segment. We have a long one coming. Up. Let me let me pick up on some of that thread when we come right back. If you can, John, I'd, I'd really appreciate it, including the way the Democrats, the minority members are handling these hearings. It seems like they're just not even interested in the topic and just using it to raise totally ancillary points like today on the Hunter Biden investigation. saw a lot of members wanting to talk about the disparity of the IRS in auditing people of different races i mean it just has nothing to do with the point we'll be right back Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. Congressman John Shattig is my guest. By the way, he spells his name S-H-A-D-E-G-G. He is the head uh, and uh, founder of Shaddegg Associates, former congressman representing the old CD Congressional District 4. We were talking about hearings and the effects on them and why they don't seem to be landing the way they used to, John. We had to go to break, so thank you.
3: Yeah, I, I think there are three important points that upset me about what's going on right now. Uh, especially in these uh, whistleblower hearings. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one, to be fair to the Republicans, it's pretty tough uh, to have a hearing or have a witness make a dramatic impact on the audience when 1,000% of the recipients of that information um, get it through a filter that... Already has made up their mind, so the nobody for all practical purposes can watch these hearings live. I happened to listen to one of them uh, live. It was the opening statement of Mister. Sh- Shapley. Yeah, Gary Shapley. Right? And I thought it was stunning. I thought it was extremely good. I I wish uh, people could hear and would take the time. It really wasn't more than maybe ten, fifteen minutes at the most, but it was extremely well thought out, and extremely sincere. And I noted that one of the national broadcasters, this is how I happened to hear it, I didn't just tune in at the right time, uh, one of the national talk show hosts said, look, I can't summarize this, so I'm going to play it. Mm-hmm. And he played it. And if you listened to it with any sense of fairness, you had to say to yourself, wow, this is, this is serious. And we all know the media plays for the other team full-time, 24-7, 365, uh, and, and they reshape what you just heard almost down to the point of, are you going to believe your ears or believe what I'm telling you? Mm-hmm. And, and that's shocking. Second, um, and I think this is where we make mistakes, Republicans have not been in power in these committees for the kinds of lengths of time that many uh, of our Democrat colleagues had been. And that was true when I got there in the freshman class of 95. Um, And so Republicans didn't know how to hold hearings. But we were talking about Steve Shattig. Steve Shattig would never have surfaced an allegation against a candidate running against one of his candidates without first having the proof. And I, I don't I, I, I as I started out, I sympathize with Mr. Comer uh, and Mr. and Senator Grassley. I know they're trying their dead level best, but this is a game of credibility. And, uh, for example, um, Mr. Comer surfaced that. He had reliable evidence that Mr. Biden had, in fact, agreed to be bribed while vice president by foreign entities. We now believe those to be Burisma and to do some official action. It appears perhaps that pretty logically that that was get a prosecutor fired about which Mr. Biden later bragged. Um, But the stunning thing was that uh, Mr. Comer said and Mr. Grassley went along with him, which is a little unusual for him. He's usually more cautious. And they surfaced this allegation and then told us after they had serviced the allegation that there are tape recordings, and uh, one of the hosts I saw last night said, "Yeah, right. Well, will we ever see those?" And the answer is no, because once Comer and Grassley said there were tap- tape recordings, if the it let's just assume let's not make any assumptions about whether it's true or not. Let's assume. You were uh, a Biden defender. You believed desperately that Biden was a good guy and you wanted to protect him. And uh, what could you do? Well, you'd hire somebody to go over to uh, uh, whoever it allegedly was involved at Parisma and say, if you got those tapes, you better give them to us because uh, otherwise you're dead and your family's dead. Mm-hmm. And so those tapes may have existed, may not have existed. And the people of the United States, I think, will never know because, as near as I can tell, and somebody can correct me, uh, Grassley and Comer decided to uh, surface the claim that Biden, both the younger Biden and the older Biden, were on multiple tapes agreeing to the bribe. As a matter of fact, interestingly, that information came out while there was still a Republican attorney general. Why in God's name? And I don't understand this. But why in God's name didn't the former attorney general go and get that information the minute it surfaced? And instead, he offered it. It took two and a half years, two years or two and a half years. And he offered as an excuse that tracing money through China and or. uh,
1: uh, Yeah, China or Ukraine or or Ukraine
3: would be very, very hard. Uh, Well, I don't care whether you have to trace the money. If you find a tape recording with. And now we can today we can technically tell that is Joe Biden's right. voice. You know, right. there's a pattern. Yeah. You know, we would have known the answer to this. So yeah. the question is, why wasn't that ever looked at? I personally think that. Um, and I wrote down. Um, the, the question being presented is, are we who we say we are? Right. We have told the world that America is different. That America abides by the rule of law, that you are treated equally uh, as a matter of justice in the United States, regardless of uh, your lineage or your family connections or your wealth, mm-hmm. uh, and that you are judged based on your merits as an individual, and you are judged if you were alleged to have done improper conduct by the evidence of the conduct, mm-hmm. not by who you know or who it can influence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fundamental question right now, and it appears that America kind of doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, so the U.S. the the sitting Attorney General didn't go get those tapes. Well, why didn't he go get them? Was he worried mm-hmm. that if he went and surfaced evidence that a vice president, a then vice president of the United States, had been bribed, would that make him a pariah? Because mm-hmm. it's pretty clear everybody on the East Coast wants Biden as president, whether he. Was bribed or not, they don't seem to much care. No. Um, and so you have to kind of wonder, are we a nation that believes in a set of moral principles where right is right and wrong is wrong? No. Or are we have we changed our status to where either a majority of us or a majority of those in the governing class have decided that the end justifies the means yeah. and that it's that, you know, if Biden has to lie uh, to escape being kicked out of office or impeached, well, you know, he's our guy.
0: That's so. It. Yeah,
1: it's these subtle arts of shifting for the ends and the means don't matter. And the funny thing about means is – The means and the processes are really what maintain our civil liberties. And when we talk about the rule of law, that is what we are talking about. Either there is one form of law for all of us or there isn't. And it's when they think that the ends do justify the means that we end up into the territory of Maoists. And And there are
3: many people right now who just openly come out and say, look, uh, uh, truth is relative, you know, if you have to say something to get away with a greater good, yeah. fine. There is no such thing as ultimate right or ultimate wrong. Yeah. And I happen to believe it's our drift away from those values that threatens us more than anything else.
1: Let me, let me pick up on that when we come right back. We'll take a quick commercial break. John Shadig and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Shattuck has been our guest. John, we were talking about uh, hearings. We were talking about processes. We were talking about ends justify means. And you wanted to make one more
3: point. Yeah, I I don't mean to imply that all of it is uh, corruption and corrupt motives. But as Edmund Burke said, all that's necessary for evil to prevail is for men of goodwill to do nothing. Um, it seems to me you look at the situation and I heard a comment the other day that I thought was particularly telling. individuals said, well, I know this couple uh, that are good friends of mine and they live in the Midwest and they grew up watching CBS. And the only have ever done mm-hmm. was watch CBS all their lives. And they, to this day, that's what they watch. Mm-hmm. And he said he recently had a conversation with him and he started talking about the border mm-hmm. and, you know, the fact that it is wide open and there are not dozens not hundreds not thousands not even tens of thousands of people crossing every day but hundreds of thousands of people crossing every day and this couple had no clue no clue you know the power of the media to to uh, bury some stories and emphasize other stories and then when you watch the government thinks it's perfectly all right to go pressure the media Mm -hmm. to bury some stories if you've ever been in business and you know that, well, if the government wants you to do X, yeah. even if they don't really have the authority yeah. to make you do X, yeah. you you go home that night and think, yeah, maybe I don't have to do X. They can't really make me, but you know, I want to piss off they, the government. They know
1: how to make it uncomfortable. They
3: come with guns.
1: Yeah. yeah they know how to make it uncomfortable yeah. and regulations and, and so investigations. Yeah.
3: I, I personally believe that the attorney general, when the allegation that Biden had been bribed first came forward in the, what was the form 2024 yeah, or whatever, right. I can imagine a circumstance in which he went home and thought to himself, wow, if if I get this done in the two and a half years I have left and I'm the AG who brings the allegation that Joe Biden, sweet old Joe Biden, uh, um, agreed to be bribed, um, my wife will never go to another dinner party here in Washington without a That's fair right. number of the people looking askance at her and her wondering yeah. do they hate me yeah. because my husband did this yeah. uh, and he thought to himself well uh, my kids yeah. you know they're now in middle school next year they'll be in high school yeah. do I want them to have to go to school right. next year and and have and look at their peers in yeah. class and have those kids no. look at them? Yeah. and and yeah. after all you know Joe Biden's not going anywhere nobody actually really believed he'd run to yeah. begin with or that they'd call on him to run yeah. And even when he ran, nobody believed he could win. (laughs) So he just said, eh, I'll let it go. And besides which, we should be doing a thorough investigation. So if it slides off into the next administration, eh, that's not the moral crime of the century, except that you add all those up, one after another, after another, after another, and ultimately it becomes the moral crime of the century.
1: John Shattuck, thank you, sir. He is the principal and head and founder of Shattuck Associates. If you have problems with the government, suspect you may have problems with the government, he's the man to call. S-H-A-D-E-G-G. Thank you, John. Always wonderful seeing you. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson. God bless you all, and class
0: is dismissed